Everybody please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz, and I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Wow, do we have a lot to talk about tonight, huh? I Yay. mean, how about that big twist in Endgame? Eh, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, we'll g- <laughs> Don't act like I watch movies. Come yeah, on. Might, we knew we weren't getting anything out of yeah. Steph here. Let's just get to the show. Let me get to introductions, and we'll uh, figure out what we're going to talk about pretty much on the fly here. Let's open it up with the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. So I just want to ask the Flyers this one question okay. that I think is really important. Why was Game of Thrones so dark? Because <laughs> I couldn't see anything. I didn't have an issue with it. Neither did I. I, it was, I loved it was the way it was shot. Tough. It was tough. I watched it through HBO Go on my new-ish 4K TV. It was tough. It was tough, and I watched it twice. I adjusted the settings the second time to the brightest possible. It was it was hard. Did you watch it in the dark? Yeah, of course oh, I did. Wow. I live in the dark. <laughs> she makes a good point. I was born in the dark. <laughs> I was born in it. I could do the perfect Bane impression for 30 minutes of my life. And I'm ready. it's just never come back. It just never came. I annoyed the hell out of my friends on a road trip. We were trapped in a car going from Florida to New Orleans, and for the last leg, I was killing it. Just Bane, nonstop. Can never do it again. I had something like I that. Was born. I, just, I, I had something like that yeah. in a bar for like 20 minutes. I did the perfect Delco accent, and now I don't even know where I started. So it's a long summer, and I'm going to challenge both of you at some point to bring these back, <laughs> because I don't know what else we're going to uh, talk judging about. Judging by the outline today, we're going to be diving deep into our summer <laughs> content ideas. Fucking free agency needs to get here like Hurry yesterday. up. Ah, from TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. Uh, so I guess uh, one thing that's... Kind of, I, I'm I'm happy for him. Uh, so Jordan will resign with, with yeah. the Indians, and it looks like he, hey, it looks Jordan. like he's actually going to maybe like carve out an NHL role with them because they seem pretty happy with him. So that's cool, and I'm glad because I've always liked Jordan Wheel, even though the Flyers just seem to have this opinion that he couldn't be a fourth liner, and I think he would actually be quite a good fourth liner if Me a team would too. just stick him on their fourth line and just let him drive play and not score a lot of goals. But it doesn't matter because you're on the fourth line. I don't know why the Flyers never really were into that, but. If that's his role with Montreal, I think he'll be quite good there. He is going to have one day a 20-goal season where he shoots like 18% and some hockey man GM gives him like a three-year deal and regret so. it almost immediately a la like Ville Lano. I was just gonna but it's going to happen. He's going to have one year where it just like he gets all the breaks. But yeah, he doesn't score a ton. He just does like a lot to get there. Yeah, just and then like, doesn't really do yeah, much after just that. When he gets there, I don't know. Didn't but they a, re-sign Folin too? They did. <laughs> they must have liked him too. Physical God presence, bless. baby. He's got the intangibles. Last but certainly not least, Stephalicious D. Steph Driver. So, what were the dragons doing? You know, they were how executing you... a plan Listen. until Danny screwed it all up. Okay, what? why do you park your friggin' dragon on the ground, surrounded by whites, and have them climb all over the poor yeah, thing? That's pretty dumb. Uh, what, what are you doing? Being dumb, so or had about enough of Daenerys, or or the other one parking right on top of Winterfell, just watching as the Whites do nothing. I like know. you could have taken them, you could have taken them out. Well, you could have you could have done I will, something. I will argue against that because by the time that they were, so at that point, the concern was that. All the whites are there too, yeah. But then all your forces are there. So like, you once once everyone's kind of mixed, the dragons don't have a lot of firepower because no, no. you don't want to burn your own people. This to was death. this was right after Melisandre lit the the things. So like, the Unsullied were on one side, yeah. And okay. the whites were on the other. Like, go ahead, John. Go ahead. Take Fire out. <laughs> Do something other than just sitting on the back of your dragon. They weren't great at show, executing fam. plans. For, they sure weren't. For for all this, oh, he's a great general. Like, it doesn't seem... He, he, also, had, he also has, what, like, about 
10 minutes of flight time on the dragon before the battle. <laughs> That's right. fair. He doesn't have a lot this, of practice, guys. This is a man. Is every time you look at his face, he's just like, can you just fucking end it already? Please like, kill me. I've <laughs> had, he's related to the dragon. I'm exhausted. I thought you, you allowed me to die once, then you brought me back. I gotta be back in this shit again. All I right. just want to... Alright, so my real take is that... <laughs> no, we can just go with this. No. Um, the most important news of the summer, Oscar Lindblom has gotten a puppy. Oh, um, that's good. It's pretty important. What kind of puppy, though? It's a little dachshund. Is it a dire wolf? Oh. It's it's like a, a long-haired, shaggy dachshund, and it is adorable. Is These the, boys is the puppy like a mini too? dog. No. Okay. All right. These boys like a mini dog. Yeah, well, you know, they're girlfriends. True. Yeah. So, all right, I guess we have to get into- I say into... is I've got the, the giant boxer <laughs> next to me. Oh, yeah, girls like small dogs. I guess, dog I guess we have to get into the real heart of the matter here, and the heart of the matter is, guys, has anyone- thought about the coincidence of Tony Stark and the Starks. Like, what if the show ends with a Marvel crossover? Oh, crossover like, episode. The Starks are the original, like, Iron, like, the original S.H.I.E.L.D. Well, we already got a crossover between, uh, between Game of Thrones and Bud Light. So, I mean, Ooh. if that's possible, then, hey, anything's possible. I'm really thinking this ends with some sort of, like, Avengers crossover, which would just really be... Hilarious! I think that's the only way to do what it. What was now. the? Weren't they going to try to? Weren't they going to do a crossover with uh, Men in Black and Twenty One Jump Street? Why? Not? I'm sorry. What? Like I think that I was a thing that. for a while. I mean, we're all out of ideas, so like, fuck it. Just start <laughs> just stuff. do crazy. It's stuff. one of one of my one of my like theories that <laughs> I, I walked have... into this room and they were talking about Detective Pikachu. <laughs> <laughs> one of the theories I have in my head is like, you know what? We've never tested if art is finite or not, and I think we're getting to the point where we can yeah. answer that. And in fact, is it is? We ran out just like you know about what? Fifteen years ago, remakes, yeah, <laughs> reboots. Uh, we're gonna have this dragon fucking midget. Like, oh no, no that's how the show's gonna end. Um, <laughs> Bill, don't give them ideas. Goodness. <laughs> All right, so I guess we have to talk about the no, Flyers. No, Sansa, Sansa and Tyrion are going to fall in love and get married again for real. Oh, I'm really glad they didn't do a suicide because I thought they were going to. I really thought they were going to do a suicide. Yeah. I think that would be if they had won like five minutes later. like mm. the night, And it's like, ah, they Whoops. didn't see that coming. I, I, like, why, did, what, what, why did she pull out the dagger? She didn't use it. She pulled it out and looked right at him. Just like, from... oh, let's just do a suicide. Or I'll just, if you want me to, I'll stab you, Tyrion. I'll Honestly, do it. the more I think about it, I have a lot of, wait, why did they do that? questions about that episode but that's, that's, why I, that's why i watched it yeah. twice yeah i really enjoyed it but again i haven't seen it since the second season so like oh, i yeah. haven't had this whole build up that ticket. everyone has i thought i the, forgot that you just stopped yeah <laughs> i had a i had a, uh, something happen in my life that was very inconvenient for me that made the enjoyment of a show about dragons uh much lower so I, I couldn't enjoy it the way I wanted to, and then I just fell behind and never caught up. But now I'm just watching it from here, and I feel like I know everybody. Did yeah. your dragon die? You're yeah, doing right. <laughs> pretty much, in one way or another. Uh, I couldn't use the dragon glass anymore. Um, so anyway. I have no idea. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I don't want to ask. So Let's just let it go. Uh, I guess we have to talk about the Flyers. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to at some point uh, this summer doing like an anything but the Flyers off-topic show. Yeah, like everyone does into a, that everyone, everyone does a 10-minute presentation on something. I think that would be great. I'm into it. Oh, my God. You're going to let me talk for 10 minutes about Imagine Safari Live? Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> so I just want to open with a question uh, for my distinguished colleagues here. If the Flyers only make one substantial move this summer, now the hope is they make several substantial moves and turn this team into a cup contender, boom, July 3rd, I wake up and go, I'm a happy man. But say they only make one substantial move this summer, what one move would you go, okay, I'm happy with that? One thing. One thing. Uh, make a trade for Nazem Kadri and shore up the 2C position. Nazem, that's your one thing? I like him. All right. I'm, I mean... The the bigger picture is now they have a really good two C, but for me, I want it to be now. I'm t- I've taken Connor McDavid off the table, Steph. So <laughs> it's, that's not an option. Was I going to say Connor McDavid? I don't know. Maybe you often bring up things like Connor McDavid when I throw these hypotheticals out there. Fair, as do many of our listeners. I'll oh, just go get McDavid. I'm like, all right, well, yes. Also, I was. Coming from a place of realism, yeah, like I wasn't going to go crazy <laughs> yeah. with like some shit that wasn't going to actually happen. 
Are, are we so are we talking about realistic things? Like, are we talking semi-realistic? About, well, apparently you can't say Connor McDavid. Yes, no uh, McDavid, no Matthews. But other than that, I'm saying semi-realistic. One thing I would really like to see Fletcher do, and I think the reason why I would I really want to see him do it is because it feels plausible to me that he, if he really wanted to, he could. I want to see him take advantage of of Paul Fenton in Minnesota right. because. Paul Fenton, since he's taken over, has just made dumb trade after dumb trade after dumb trade. And the fact that Fletcher, who actually should know these guys that he's currently, that Fenton is currently GMing better than literally anyone, including Paul Fenton. It's like, Chuck, why aren't you getting in on this? Take some of these guys that Fenton's apparently just giving away. Like, Nino Niederreiter. Yeah, I get that they didn't really have a need there, but like, you couldn't have gotten involved in that. Look at how good he's for Carolina, and they were giving him away. So I'd love to see him get involved. Now, I mean, Spurgeon's obviously the guy. Jared Spurgeon's the guy I kind of dream that the Flyers can get. I don't know. They might resign him. He apparently is interested in resigning in Minnesota. So I'm not sure if that's there. And I think Fenton is at least smart enough to realize that he's very good. But my guess is they're going to ship out some other Fletcher guys. And if they're going to f- ship out Fletcher guys that are good, I'd love to see Chuck Fletcher be like, hey, I'll take my former guys for not that much. That would be cool. I, I would like to see him get involved. And if, if Fenton is continuing to do the sell off the Fletcher guys, I'd like to see Fletcher actually get involved in it. Okay, I like that. Take advantage of somebody. I'm a, I appreciate that. Steph, let you see Steph Driver? Um, I think that it would also be cool and good if he took advantage of somebody. Um, I... I don't have one specific move, but I want it to be whatever. If it were one specific move, I want it to be a big splash. Like I want people to be talking about okay. how Chuck Fletcher whipped it out and slammed his dick on the table. Oh, like that's like this is my team now. This is what I did, and we're gonna sink or swim on this one move. Like I want it to be a big <coughs> deal. Um, whether that's trading Ivan Provorov for Mitch Marner. Or something similar. Um, I, I, I want it to be a big deal. I don't think that, you know, signing a backup goalie is a big deal. I don't yeah, think no, that, um, you know, some third liners are a big deal. Uh, yeah, that's maybe better. maybe like if he can go out, if he can go out and get a pure sc- goal scorer, that would be really fucking cool. But. I mean that's Mitch Barner. <laughs> yeah, there are incremental things that could make me happy, but I, it like I'm just look thinking of okay, one big thing to go. Flyers are back. I can actually start enjoying this team again. What would yours be? <sighs> I mean, my A number one is obviously Eric Carlson. Right. That's, that's I fair. freaking yeah. love Eric Carlson so much, and he's he's for all the talk. And it was me. Like I was someone who was questioning the viability of Carlson long term just because he's had the health issues, but we're watching him in the playoffs. Guess who leads the playoffs and assists? A guy named Eric Carlson. And, and I think Steph brought up a good point there that there's a there's a value in, in getting a guy like Carlson, not just in terms of the on ice value, but in terms of what it would do to the fan base. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because not only like even more so than a trade. Because, like, if they were to say trade for P.K. Subban, that would be great and fans would be excited. But I'm losing Shane Gossesbearer, it, it, It's not even that. It's the fact that if you get Eric Carlson, that means that Eric Carlson chose to come to chose Philadelphia. To come here. And then we can stop hearing all this bullshit about, oh, Philadelphia isn't a destination. No one wants to come here. Like, that would be the moment where a bunch of fans who have just basically turned into, I'm just going to complain every second of my life about this team, they'd be like, okay, we got one of the three best defensemen in hockey, and he wanted to come here. And I think that that would change. It would, at the very least, change the perception of the Flyers, and I think it would be very nice if the perception around the Flyers among the fan base changed. I think the perception around the team needs to change, and I think the perception of the team from inside needs to change, and a big move like that would go a long way. Now, obviously, like I've said, I've had my reservations about Eric Carlson, so I'm putting, and I, I want him. Like Charlie said, I think last week or two weeks ago, the health, we know know it's a risk, all that stuff, but at the end of the day, he's a superstar. Go out and get a superstar if you can get a superstar. The fuck? I said that. I think we both Char- said Yeah, it. you both Fine. <laughs> but I'm putting a little semicolon here, and I'm going, or an offer sheet. So I have- Any offer sheet whatsoever. Now, Mitch Marner is obviously, that's who I want to yeah. get into, because his name has been tossed around a lot recently. Before we get to realistic stuff, just while we're doing hypotheticals for a second, I have a question that was brought to me today by- my coworker Ed, who is a hot take artist of the highest caliber when it comes to the Flyers, he came into my office to talk a little hockey. 
and said something about how Fletcher or somebody said that the only untouchable was Claude Drew. And he did say that. But, so, I, but I don't think it was said in the way that I know. people interpreted it. So then Hot Take Artist Ed says they should trade Carter Hart for Connor McDavid. Now, there's no universe in which that would ever actually happen because yeah, it's sure, absurd. Go for it, yeah. Would you actually? Yeah. Would Prob- you? Probably, yeah. yeah, yeah I would too, I but like, no, but, yeah. I was just curious to know if anybody <laughs> valued Carter Hart that highly. No. I, I value Carter Hart very highly, but if I can get the best player in the league <laughs> for him and then just hope one of these other nine pretty good prospects <laughs> we have in net turns out, like Samuel Urson or one of these dudes, my guy, Ustamenko, like, uh, what's his name? The next Lundquist is coming over oh, this yeah. year. Sandstrom. Your guy? Yeah, Sandstrom. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Maybe one of them will work out too. <laughs> or maybe if you have. Connor McDavid on a team that isn't Edmonton. You don't need a goalie. <laughs> you don't even need a goalie. Or like, you know, you can get a really good goalie on a discount because, uh, hey, this is the team that's going to win now. Uh, since uh, since his name came up, he's in the Hart Trophy conversation this year. He's a finalist this year. Yeah. Uh, not good enough last year somehow, even though he led the league in scoring. Is it just they're like, ah, screw it. We realize how bad Edmonton is or what's this- the... This poor child. I actually help yeah. him in some way. Yeah, I, I don't know why. I was like, so I had McDavid in my top three. I actually, hilariously enough, I had the top three that we're all nominated. So Ooh. whatever. But uh, but no, I was shocked that he was nominated because I assume that I think what it boiled down to this year is that they were just there were just fewer good stories this year yeah. and, and so much of the Hart Trophy voting is based around what narratives you can build around a guy's candidacy and there just weren't as many yeah. compelling ones obviously writers vote on it so yeah. obviously they're gonna say who can I write the best story about yeah. Connor McDavid is the best period okay well that was that's a, a story, story. <laughs> like, so they didn't but like yeah last year they were literally if you include McDavid I think there were five guys who legitimately had an argument for it this year I think there's one his name's Nikita Kucherov and since he's just winning it all right, nominate the other two guys who are presumed to be the best forwards yeah, in hockey. Yeah, I think that's like that probably is what kind of boom, played out. Done deal. All right, now I, I I mentioned an offer sheet a few minutes ago, and man, I, I realize you know it's you know it's the off season when I'm bringing up freaking Eklund. Uh, <laughs> hey ho! <laughs> but we're getting wild, gang. But it's out there, and people have mentioned it. So as the voice of the people, Broad Street Hockey Radio should at least discuss it. Now, I just am always for chaos, so I want offer sheets. I've been going on for the whole season about offer sheeting Braden Point because I think he can just be stolen because of their cap situation. But if you look at what's going on in Toronto and what's going on with Mitch specifically, it looks like Marner, the, the report is Marner is looking for Austin Matthews money. Austin Matthews is going to make $11.634 million against the cap next year. Highest behind only Connor McDavid. If he's looking for that kind of money, can Toronto do it? I, no. I mean, I, I mean, right now they can't. I'm assuming that if it came down to losing him or paying him that money, they would find a way. But as much as I love Mitch Marner, um, buddy... You're not the second best player in the NHL, and as such, you cannot make second best money. He is not, at this very moment, the second best player in hockey. Also, but at at not yet 22 years old, at not yet 22, he was 11th in points, uh, 4th in assists. Over the last three years, he's top 20 in scoring, like... If this is what he is at 21, you're making an investment. Yeah, And the market is going to reset. While 11 seems like a shit ton right now, after all these RFAs resign and after this next crop of guys making 10 plus million get theirs, is it going to be that crazy? I, so, would, I wouldn't be mad if the Flyers gave him 11 million, so here, I'm so being honest. I, I would. So I, here's, I here's, my, him, though. here's my... I know that's why you would give him the money. No, because but he's, you really, absolutely, he's also really good. He's really good, but like... His powers only activate in Toronto. I think I think what it boils down for me is that he's a winger. Like that is re- that is what okay. it all boils down, and it's that if you're paying him eleven million dollars, he is your most he's your highly your most paid player, and he is you are telling the world he is your best player. And I do not think he's Alex Ovechkin good. And Alex Ovechkin is maybe the only winger of this era that I would consider building a team around a winger as my best player. I, mean, I don't but, think he's that good. But at this point, I mean, if 
are you saying that like the Flyers shouldn't pay anyone more than Claude Giroux because Claude Giroux is the Flyers' best player? No, I'm saying no. I'm saying that if you're going to pay somebody more than Claude Giroux, I don't want it to be a winger. Any any winger. Only Alex Ovechkin. I mean, not even Alex Ovechkin now. Alex Ovechkin 10 years ago, absolutely. I just think it's not saying this is my best player. I think it's saying this is what it took to get him, and we got him. Hmm. That's the way it goes. These guys signed their contract six years ago. He's signing his contract now. We needed someone to be a first-liner because it's Austin Matthews didn't sign his contract six years ago. Austin Matthews signed his contract... Last year, I don't think yeah. Marner is going to get and eleven minutes. Marner's I don't played so more games and been more productive. Than that's Austin I think that's where Marner's team is starting. They're saying you start yeah. me at Austin Matthews, and they're going to meet somewhere in the middle. But you know, so the idea of an offer sheet, yep, you'd have to go seven. Oops, you'd have to go eleven and a half. Okay, it would cost you four first round picks. I hate to see it. That's a shame. What care. are we thinking here? Yeah, I'm is doing it. it is it? Like, it's it's out of the question to you, Charlie. No, I wouldn't do it. Is it out of the? Is that too much? No, no. And you hate long term contracts. So here's the thing, though. Like, I you have to decide at some point. Are are you all in on this team starting to win shit now? If you are, the idea of getting a 22 year old winger who's coming good off for, a 94 points. Yeah, season. I was going to say he's good for you know. Let's say average 85 points a season and locking him down for the next seven years and you're asking me to give up four lottery tickets okay uh, so okay so here's my thought um around what you said if, if you're all in on this team i don't think you should be because what is what is this team proven they are like this is a team they're okay but that's about it so I know that I have no logical reason to think this, and I have no, like, Charlie math reasons to believe this. I don't believe that what the production that we've seen out of this roster over the last two and a half years is their true talent level. I don't think it is. I think that they're better than this and that they will be under a coach who can get the most out of them, out of a coach that can put a line together well once they have a couple of more pieces that they need to improve a little bit. I don't think that this team is once compiled in a good way. I, and they do need a couple of pieces. I will acknowledge that. I don't think that they're a bubble team. I think that they're an in-the-playoffs team. See, I think that this is... Average is what they are. And I think that a coach who knows what he's doing could have them, you know, could have them overachieve. But I don't think that this team put together with a good coach is winning the division. I don't think this coach with a good team... Hold on, try that again. This team with a good coach is going to win the East. So in in my mind, it's this team plus a couple of pieces. Is this team plus a good 2C, plus ideally another good defenseman, plus a good backup for Carter Hart. Like it's it's well, not that's, this, that's not this team though. Well it, it it is in my mind it's a very realistic thing that could be this team in two months. I mean maybe like, I don't think it's out of control to think that in two months that will be this well, team. Well maybe, but the problem is is that if you're giving eleven and a half million dollars to Mitch Martin, then you're not getting those guys. Because they have a lot of cap space, they probably have about fifteen mil to spend and you're giving what, two thirds of that, if not more, to one guy who really doesn't even fill a need except for just being really good? Like, then you're. Then, then I mean, he get, scores a lot of goals. Well, then guess what? Nolan Patrick's 2C. And maybe that's okay, but you ain't filling that hole. If you get Mitch Marr, you ain't filling that 2C. No, goal. you're not. It just ain't happening. No. But you and, are. And you're, all, and you're also not getting first round picks for the next four years. Yeah, now, I'm fine now with one, that. I'm not because, I mean, look at what just happened with Jay O'Brien. So that was one of our. First round picks who is probably not going to pan the thing. out. So it could be for Jay O'Brien's yeah. that you're giving but up. It could also be for Joel Farabee's. Could be. Okay, I'm going to make a point here, and this is going to like horrify Kelly. Uh oh. I think Mitch Marner is a very good player. I don't think Mitch Marner is as good as people think he is. I think he's. I think he's very good. I think he's a great scorer. He does not drive play. He's a very good scoring winger, but he's not. If if I'm going to if I'm going to do that. If I'm going to give him $11 million, and if I'm going to give up four first-round picks, I want to be giving it up for a guy who has absolutely zero holes in his game. Mitch Marner does not have zero holes in his game. Mitch Marner is a very good player. I'd love to have Mitch Marner. Mitch Marner is not... He doesn't... He just scores. He scores a lot. He's like a better Jake Voracek. I'm, I'm failing to see what's bad about that. Because I'm not paying $11 million for a better Jake Voracek. I'm paying $11 million for Connor McDavid. 
Yeah. But you can't get Connor yeah, McDavid get for $11 million. Then I'm not going to spend $11 million on a guy who probably is a little overpaid in that role. And m- maybe I would do it just for the money. But I certainly wouldn't give up four first-round picks in addition. Would you give up? Yeah, then? the both the both is yeah. is the part yeah. that's yeah. if if you could tell me that we could get him for just four first-round picks, well, awesome. That would be nice. Well, you have to pay players. That's the, po- that's the point. I think that that's really bullshit. good. Players get paid. Yeah, I, I, like all right, then you're they're gonna all get, not making enough money anyway. Like, all right, Matt Duchesne's gonna get ten. So you'd rather give Matt Duchesne ten than Mitch Marner eleven? He's not gonna get ten. Uh, he's gonna get nine and a half. No, he might get eight. Eight, he might get eight. Yeah, I think he might get eight. <sighs> I, I don't see a 30-goal scoring center getting less than market, market value. Yeah. Like, I, I think he gets JVR eight. just got seven. Yeah, over five years. If they would have given JVR seven years, he probably would have gotten six. Maybe. I, like, I just don't see, I don't see the market playing out in any sort of cheap fashion. I think players have finally realized they can get their money if they try to, if they do what William Nylander did. So, no. I'm not afraid to sit out. I'm going to get my money. You can play it cheap or you can pay me what I'm worth. And I think that's going to start happening more and more often. But the thing that brought all this up was the Eklund article. And I, again, I, I realize my source here, but <laughs> it's a flyer show and we have to talk about something. I'm sure you all didn't love the uh, Game of Thrones talk to start. So we're going to talk about this. I, mean, we I hate this, yeah, is, this is from Eklund. The Flyers are interested in Mitch Marner, and there has been a lot of talk of the, about them offer-sheeting him. Uh, the expectation is that Toronto would match, of course, but the Flyers are apparently deadly serious about this. Could, this. could that lead to a trade? And then the big question that everyone had, because it was posed in this tweet that linked to this article, would you trade Provorov and Konechny for Mitch Marner? Yes. Two for one straight up. I probably would. Yes. I probably would as well. Um, it, it, I, I think it's a fair deal. Like, I think, yeah. I think, that, I think that's what, what, what throws people is that no one is winning this deal. No, I think it's yeah. just a fair deal. People cannot handle a trade that is even on both sides. They don't know what to do with their hands. I keep like, trying to look for reasons I wouldn't do it, and I keep coming back to... I already know what Marner is, and I still have questions about those two. And, like, yep. Marner is not yet 22, and he's a 90-point player. I mean, I don't even have questions about Travis Konechny. Like you were saying before the show, his absolute ceiling is what Mitch Marner is already doing yeah. right now. Yeah. So we know what Mitch Marner is. That's what Travis Konechny might be if everything goes perfectly. And like Charlie has said a million times since we've been talking about it, there's a lot of questions around Ivan Provorov right now. We don't exactly know which version of Ivan Provorov is the real one. And when we're I talking- have a lot of questions about his <laughs> well <laughs> social media. And when we're talking about... We were trading him because of an Instagram post the other day, so for Mitch Marner, it makes a lot of sense. Wearing matching sneakers with his girlfriend. And when we're talking about where we're going to invest this money, because yes, there's cap space right now, but you have to look down the line, Provorov and Konechny are going to get paid, because you get paid for production, and they have both, for the most part, produced, and you're going to project forward, like I'm trying to do with Marner here, like, all right, if at 21, he's a 94-point player, all right, well, where does he go from there? You just look at those two and go, while it is two for one, while it's, you know, a premier position in number one defenseman that we think Provorov is, Maybe. I really think it would be a good trade. Yeah. Now, the Flyers did something like this with Chris Gratton back in the day. They sacrificed the firsts to offer sheet Gratton. They signed him and then, of course, got trade. their firsts back right. and they sent Renberg and... Right. I want to say Dyke House. I don't remember. That sounds right. I, this was before I was like into all. Yeah, the, you there know, was a ins there's and a big mishmash going. I was just I was back then. I was just flip on the TV. Oh, we got yeah. this player. That's neat. There was a big because we then got Renberg back and sent Grant, Gratton there, and it was I can't remember the full detail, but I do know it was something like that to get our picks back, and then we sent them some actual players. So. Something like that would be, I mean, entertaining as hell for us. The one point I'll say about that is that it kind of it, it puts you in a position where you have to get another defenseman. It like, does. Like you really, the only way that really works is if you then go out and you trade for like a Trooper or a Spurgeon or something. Which like, they could do. Which they could do. But like you have to because then your defense is, you know, it, it's it's Sandheim, Ghost, and Myers. And like we're all hoping Myers is going to be good. We don't really know. You two points. Yeah, like we yeah. don't really know. Yeah. And you, you would need somebody else. If you're going to give up Provorov and you're not going to get a defensive bag, you need to go out and get something. Now, maybe they can, but that's not a given. 
Like it's it's still difficult to make trades in the NHL for actual impact players. So it would just put you in the position where you'd have to go out and do it. And you know, I guess go out and do it, but you still have to find a way to do it because if not, then your defense is a is a real weak point. Now, uh, Craig, you've brought up Spurgeon twice now, Charlie. Now, Craig wrote a couple of articles this week uh, with who? Craig, Craig, Todd. Okay. Oh, Todd. Um, he wrote a few articles this week of guys with some ties to Fl- to Vigneault. Charlie has brought up the Fletcher connection with uh, uh, with Mo- Montreal, with Minnesota yeah. a few times, uh, specifically Spurgeon. There's a lot of Jason Zucker and Jared Spurgeon floating around out there. Yeah, well, First, Zucker almost got yeah. traded. Do you so. think there is? Um, do you think these relationships, first of all, Vigneault's guys that I have listed here, and we've talked about them quite a bit in the last few weeks, and the Fletcher connection with especially guys in Minnesota, do you think that's going to come into play? Charlie, you said at the top you want uh, Fletcher to take advantage of that relationship and take advantage of what's going on in Minnesota. Yes. Do you think it will come into play with either the GM or the coach? I'll predict that they get at least one player this offseason with a connection to either Vino or Fletcher. Damn I don't know who it's going to be, but I, I, I think it <laughs> will happen. It just makes too much sense. Like, it yeah. just, you, you have, theoretically, having more information about a player is helpful, you know, because you, you actually, there's always an information gap when you're signing or trading for a player. The team that has had him in their organization, in their facilities, watch him every day, they have more information about a player than you do. But if you've, seen and watched him for years because you used to either coach or GM him, you theoretically have less of an information gap and therefore, you know, it kind of cuts down the level of uncertainty when you're bringing in a new guy. So yeah, I think they're going to bring in at least one. The, the Part of the reason why I say the Paul Fenton thing is that it's it's not that I necessarily want like my GM to go out and get all of his guys. Like, that's, mm-hmm. act- that's actually what Fenton is doing. Fenton yeah. is going out and getting his guys from Nashville. Like, he got Fiala, he got that, uh, picked up a guy on waivers who isn't very good because he was a Nashville guy that he, that he was involved in developing and whatnot. It's not necessarily that. It's the fact that Fenton has got this idea that he needs to clear out Fletcher's guys because he's decided that Fletcher's guys are the problem. And the thing is, a lot of Fletcher's guys are actually really good. And he's giving them away for less than their value because he has this idea that I need to put my stamp on the team. So that's why if I'm Fletcher, I want to take advantage of the fact that clearly this guy doesn't value my players as much as I do. What would it take to get a Zucker or a Spurgeon, or both, as Kelly proposes here? Um, a lot. They're yeah. both they're both good players. I mean, I would think you'd have to, at the very least, be willing to part with that first round pick. Oh, that's already gone in my mind. It was um, <laughs> actually John from Broad Street, formerly of Broad Street Hockey, who He's was still here. He hangs kind, out. Yeah, he was like messing around with the. Uh, whatever it's called on Cap Friendly, where you mess around with the roster. Trade machine, whatever. Yes, whatever. Yeah. And he came up with the idea of trading Morgan Frost, Vorobiev, Hag, the 2019 first, and a 2020 conditional second for Zucker and Spurgeon. Which I think I would do. Man, I just am... That's a lot. I am... There is... I have no problem trading anybody. I don't, I don't want to trade Claude Giroux just because I think he needs to be a pillar here. I think mm-hmm. he needs to be in orange and black forever. Uh, I have no problem trading Morgan Frost. I just need like a whole lot more for our number one prospect. I don't. I just need a whole him. lot more. Like I need something that gets me excited. I know Zucker and Spurgeon are good, but I can't say I'm sitting here like, oh yeah. Like that's not <laughs> that's not doing it for me. That's not. I just eh, I don't want I personally and I it's kind of irrational. I don't want to trade Morgan Frost just because I have this big time fear of us trading him and him coming into the league and absolutely killing it. But it's that's FOMO. That, that's going to happen with any prospect you trade. Like you're 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 always going to be worried that you traded the wrong guy. That's the worry of trading prospects. But and, I feel like with him, it's like likely. <laughs> that's the and no that's more the, than anyone else. That's the I want in my head, and that's the thing is this lottery ticket is the winning one. That's, this that's every time the, I buy one, and that's, that's the, the thing. That's the thing with Morgan Frost is I want. I don't know. I like Mitch Marner. Yeah, sign me up. Let's do it, kids. Like that would pump me up beyond belief to go out and do that deal or like something for a guy. I, I hate to say someone whose name I'm more familiar with because that shouldn't be the only criteria. 
but damn, I want more of a premier player if in a, if Morgan Frost is included in a deal. I guess the point, and I, I made this when we were talking about this in, in our Slack channel yesterday, is that I do think that Flyers fans, and I made this point on this podcast before, is I think Flyers fans believe, or at least maybe they don't necessarily believe it if you if you talk to them, but they, they, they believe it if you really dig deep into their view of Morgan Frost. They think Morgan Frost is viewed around the league as like an A prospect, and he's not. He's not, yeah. He's more of like a B-plus prospect who people like. It's not like he doesn't have value. He has value, and he could easily be the centerpiece of a deal. But if you think he's, like, Eric Brandstrom was the centerpiece of the Mark Stone deal because everyone thinks he's going to be a great defenseman, Morgan Frost could not have been the centerpiece of a Mark Stone deal. He's just he just doesn't have the that kind of cachet around the league. So if you're going to trade Morgan Frost, like I don't know if people if they were to trade Morgan Frost, I don't know if people would would be happy with what they could realistically get back from Morgan Frost because the league does not view Morgan Frost as highly as Flyers fans currently. And to me, it's not a one-for-one proposition here. I'm not saying, oh, yeah, well, then just go get me Mitch Marner for Morgan Frost. Like, it would obviously be a a package. I just want more than Jared Spurgeon. You know what I actually compare it to? I'll I'll compare it to this. And apologies to uh, to Steph because I know she'll tune out here. But I compare it to to the Phillies with Sixto Sanchez. People were convinced in Philadelphia that Sixto Sanchez was a super prospect and we couldn't give him away unless it was for the the best player in the league. And they traded him for JT Romuto, who's good. I really like JT Romuto. But like that was Sixto Sanchez's value around the league. Sixto Sanchez's value around the league was not a superstar. It was a very good player. And I think Morgan Frost is kind of Sixto Sanchez. This Kadri and uh, and Dermot thing, is that like... I don't. I don't know. That was just another. Yeah, thing I, he was just messing around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I, I like that one. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it will either. But I like it. I just don't think that. I don't. I. Oh, for the group, it was oh, right, um, yeah. Ghost, Allison, Friedman, and a second for Nazem Kadri and Dermot from Toronto. In my opinion, mm-hmm. fuck Wade Allison. It, well, yes, exactly. I, I, I think I'm into it because I've had about enough of Wade Allison's bullshit, so trading him for <laughs> something would be good for I don't me. think that's a bad deal. I just don't think that that uh, Dubas is going to move either. If he's going to move one of those guys, it's going to be Kadri. Yeah. But I don't think he's moving Dermot. Like, I just... It's 22. I, I, just like, get, I just get the feeling that Dubas has his guys, and he's going to keep his guys. And The only reason in my mind that that one made a lot of sense is because... Kadri's on a really team-friendly contract, so is Ghost. So it kind of, you know, you might be losing a bit of value when you trade Nazem Kadri, but you're getting it back with Ghost. Okay, so you're saying that Ghost and Kadri kind of cancel each other out. So then is Allison Freeman in a second worthy of Travis Dermott? Like, not a chance. Yeah, Maybe. Missy's stinky. I know. <laughs> she farted. I know. <laughs> We're doing our best. <laughs> um, I don't have anything to add to this. Fair. I just I just don't see that as realistic. Like I, yeah, the, it's probably not the the Zucker Spurgeon idea strikes me as more realistic because number one Spurgeon is in a position where his contract expires at the end of next year, and if Minnesota decides they can't resign him, they very well might try to move him. And with Zucker, they almost traded him. Like he was, he's really good. He was at the point where basically Calgary was ready to make the call. And I think what what I believe happened was the the, the, the trade that was nearly agreed to was Michael Froelich and a draft pick for Zucker, and basically Froelich did not waive his no trade, and that sort of threw everything and was like, now what do we do? But that almost happened. So it seems like a foregone conclusion that Zucker is getting moved. And he could get, maybe you move him in a package with someone else to get a bigger package. So that makes sense to me. I don't... I don't know if Kadri's Always upgrade getting moved. your package if you have the opportunity. And I really don't think Dermot's getting moved. Is there any actual smoke to this Kadri stuff, or is it just fans being like, fuck him? Well, there, there was an article written by, I believe, LeBron after the suspension that was basically sourcing people around the league saying, I could see them looking to move right. him because they're frustrated that he got suspended twice in a row. But he's still a valuable player, so that's I just white. don't know if that's, I saw, that's, that's I something Dubas would do. I saw an article today that was, have Kadri's suspensions actually proven he's under value. <laughs> Look what happened. Well. That is an extremely least take on the situation. I know what's going to happen and 
it's it's spectacular, guys. Elaine Vigneault is going to convince the Sedins to come out of retirement, and they're going to sign league minimum contracts with the Flyers. I'd be all for I'm that if it. we got two Yagers, basically. I'd be all for that. I want two them of them. To, um, I want the, them to the play magic on the same twins. Line. I'm they have, have to. to. Work I get, it's the part yeah. of their contract. Yeah, yeah. clearly they have to play on the same line. Yeah. Uh, I want to get to a couple of questions from the old Twitter machine that I have here, just because I think they're uh, I think they're topical. Okay. And the first one is something I wanted to get to anyway. And Ted at that guy. 11920 asked what is a nightmare scenario for each of you via free agency uh, or any sort of uh, acquisition what is a nightmare scenario Dan for you Dan Girardi I was going to say is, is Dan Girardi everyone's nightmare scenario it, the, and I think the reason that it's such a nightmare for me is that it seems like a thing that would definitely happen it I seems just, like an extremely flyers thing to he's do he's 35 if he was like 31 I'd be like maybe but at 35 there's no way anyone can justify going well, out and getting him I mean the only reason why, and I'm not saying it would be it would be a good thing if they got Dan Girardi, it wouldn't. Be. Oh God, the sorry. only reason why it's probably not my nightmare scenario is that, like, if they were to sign him, they'd sign him for a year, mm-hmm. and it would stick, and I would be frustrated a lot. But it's not like future crushing because they're just not going to sign someone like that to a super long term deal. It just it this just ain't going to happen. I hope not. It, he wasn't even signed to a super long term deal with Tampa. I know. I know. Well, that's because they can't. Yeah. I just, well, they could have. I mean, they have the money. Probably, yeah. Probably would have lowered the cap. Yeah, but. exactly. Yeah, I, I just, like, it's my nightmare just because I'm like, we're almost through the tunnel here. Like, we're almost at the end of Andrew McDonald. And if we just get right back on this carousel, I'm going to jump off a bridge. I just can't do this anymore. I, I think my nightmare, okay, so my nightmare scenario, nightmare? Yeah. Um, let's say nightmare number one is they sign Tyler Myers to a massive deal. Uh, yeah, okay. Which I could see. Nightmare number two is that Dubas convinces the Flyers to basically take their trash. No, like I'm talking like Zaitsev no, and Marlowe, Zaitsev. and that that like that that that's what. And then then Fletcher sells it to the fans is like, well, we got this first pair of right-handed defensemen to play with Provorov, and we got Patrick Marlowe, who's a veteran who will give us, you know, in the locker room. Like that, that's probably my real nightmare. But what if it came with? Um, Mitch there's not, but there's not enough cap space. <laughs> okay. There's yeah, just there, you can't take on yeah, all those guys in I addition like, to getting a really good player. I like room. I like Zaitsev a little more than some people, but I don't like I, want him. He's, I'm he's actually bad. actually now that you mentioned the Zaitsev thing, that is actually scary because that is another thing that I could very well see the Flyers doing. <laughs> God, from Joe and Erie, is everyone us underestimating Isaac Ratcliffe? No, I think we're estimating him just fine. No, I I could see. I I think we do might think be. He has, we do, might be. Do you? Think, I think he's going to be good, but I don't know. All right. Do you think there is a possibility we see Isaac Ratcliffe in Philadelphia playing for the Flyers in the 2019-20 regular season? No. Mm. In Philadelphia with the Philadelphia Flyers. No. No, but I, I, like a lot of guys would have to go down before that happened. I and now now this bad. is not me underestimating Isaac Ratcliffe. It's me having a lot of faith in Fletcher to put a, a better team on the ice. I really like Isaac Ratcliffe, and we know we know all about how I'm I'm into fast dudes that are big. Um, <laughs> go ahead, anybody? Maybe. All right, <laughs> all right, good. All right, I was letting Kelly have it. Okay. <laughs> um, but. That's and that's what he is. And I was re- I only went to one day of training camp last year because of the stroke and you know the whole thing. But even in that one day, I was really impressed in the strides that he made between his first training camp and last year. And I'm really excited to see what he comes to the table with this year. I think he's good, and he's always graded out very well. Um, I think it's Mitch Brown who does this. He does like a microstat tracking project for junior hockey. And Ratcliffe's always graded out really well by his by his tracking. And I'm not just talking about like zone exits and zone entries. I'm talking about like Corsi and stuff like that. He's he, there. There is a potential this guy could be it could actually be a play driver in addition to being six six and a good skater who scores a lot of goals. Like I I've described his ceiling as potentially like a more physical JVR, and that's that's good. 
Like that's good. Okay, so sign I, me up. Yeah, yeah, I mean you're talking <laughs> like good. yeah. He, oh, he could be a very I've, good player. The little I've seen of him, I've been impressed. There's certain I just I want. It's the same thing I want to see out of Nolan Patrick since they're not going to be the fastest. Uh, I like his stride. I think there's a lot uh, Ratcliffe could do to be a really really good skater even in the NHL level. Um, but since they're never going to be the fastest guy, like I want to see both of them hit the weight room so hard and just push everyone around. So much. Yeah, I don't think he's... Ratcliffe, a, the little I saw of him, didn't do it enough. No, no, I don't think he has... And that's why I, I compare him a lot to JVR, because JVR is kind of similar in that they're big, but they don't really have a mean yeah, streak. Yeah. I don't think Ratcliffe has a mean streak, but I do think that he's a little bit more willing to, like, battle than JVR, who just kind of, like, pops up and scores goals. And I'm, yeah. not, I'm not shitting on JVR, but that's sort of his game. No, that's he what just, JVR he does. He just kind of pops goals. up and scores, yeah. whereas Ratcliffe's a little bit more of, like, a puck carrier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would love, I would really, really like to see that. Uh, but I also, like, I want those guys to be a little bit dirty. I, I don't need you, I don't need you cross-checking people in the throat and stuff. You need a little but bit. But just a little bit a of little Chris Pronger in you. Yeah. Just a little bit of Chris Pronger in you if you're that big. Legal stuff. Yeah, no, it doesn't always have Sometimes. to be legal. But don't, just, just don't, like, get suspended for a week, you know? Like, get Less suspended for a game don't kill every, now and then. <laughs> every now and yeah, then. Every now and then. Just, just keep them honest. Yeah. Just don't commit a murder. That's all I'm asking. It's like, it's like, it's basically the NFL. Don't commit, don't commit a, a murder. murder. On the ice. Yeah. Off the on ice. The ice. Listen, yeah. you live your life. But on the ice, no murders. Thank you. From uh, James. I don't Just James. Vigneault's coaching staff. Who are we looking at? I know what I want. I'm actually kind of surprised that that, that hasn't, like. It's because of Worlds. Yeah, you're right. I forgot he's involved in Worlds. Okay, he's, so yeah, he's involved okay. in Worlds with Ron Hextall and, and Dave, Dave Hextall. He's in a little right. fantasy tournament. Oh, he can't do his real job because he's in some fantasy tournament? Yeah, I guess that's probably what he did. He did say, yeah, he said yeah. in his I press know. conference, like, don't expect anything to happen for the next month because I'm just not going to be here. Yeah. Couldn't he just this you know, week fire on BSA Radio? Make me feel better about my life. Yeah, can no. I just get assurances fire he's him. not coming yeah. back? Just like literally, I would accept anybody yeah any person on earth as an assistant coach other than him like i don't know what we're doing yet i'm busy with this other thing but, but we're definitely to... not keeping yeah. ian limited <laughs> <laughs> from drewski who gets to the nhl first frost or Faraby? i the 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 smart money's on frost because he's a year older and because he's just stronger yeah Farabee's still a beanpole. Yeah, like, the the smart money, I think, is on Frost, and that's, that's who I would say. That said, you know, it, just, it all comes down to how they play in the AHL, and they're both going to be in their first year in the AHL, and if, if Farabee more or less matches Frost, like, let's say, let's say, let's say Frost oh. is okay. Let's say Frost is okay, and Farabee is okay. Frost just being okay is a little bit more concerning because he's a year older, he's a year stronger. Whereas with Farabee, you're basically like, well, he's okay as a 19-year-old in the AHL. Then maybe he jumps Frost. But at this point, the, the smart money has to be on Frost because he's got one year one year more development and he's just more solidly built than Farabee. Ghost for Kadri, one for one? No. Again, it's probably a fair deal. Yeah, I might. Just because I, I think we need Ghost more than we need Kadri. It depends on what else they do with the blue line. Tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That but couldn't if, be if the only thing. If that's the only deal they make this summer, oh, no, that, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's unacceptable. I need, yeah. I need to upgrade the blue line as well separately if I'm making that deal. If you make that deal, cool. I just need, you know. Yeah, I mean, if, if you do if you do ghost for Kadri and then you trade prospects and picks for Jacob Truba, I'm on board. Oh, I like it. We didn't talk about Truba. I want him. That's oh, yeah. my story. Okay. Uh, more, yeah. <laughs> when will the misery end from Chadley? I'm going to say around about December 10th, 2019. That's a bold prediction. Thanks. The <laughs> night is dark and full of terrors. <laughs> R.I.P. Mel. <laughs> yeah, she is dead. Um, I think that we're all going to get real hype for this season end of August to mid-September, and then it's all going to come crashing down again in God October. damn it, driver. Listen. Ugh. Listen. How ca- how am I the positive? Like, how did this happen? How am I the positive one? I think the misery I'm the begins- least positive person on the face of the I planet. I mean, no, you're more positive than most of us here. So here, here's my- th- Generally? I, I actually, yeah. and I think what this is going to kill us- I think the first half of next year is going to be another. Oh, God damn it. But I do think that the second half is going to be good. I hate all of you. Here's my thing. Let me live. The misery stems from the back forward. 
the back is solved. Mm-hmm. Carter Hart is there. That's the beginning of the end of the misery. Oh, the, that was the other thing that I meant to say. They're going to sign. They're definitely going to re-sign Cam Talbot, Talbot because of Vigneault. That's fine with yeah, me. Yeah, fine. I don't I'm care. fine with Talbot. Yeah. That's it's whatever. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, from at Travis Sanheim. Not that one though. Oh wow. Hi yeah. Travis. Travis. Hope hey, you're having a good summer. Listening. Marty yeah. Nas. Uh, <laughs> Who's the best prospect we have that you'd be willing to deal? Like, is everyone on the table yeah. right now? Is there wanna, anyone? Is there anyone you're like? Because Frost, for me, I want to hold on to him, unless there's a big name. Yeah, here's the thing. Like, as much as I also want to keep Morgan Frost because I want to see him play for this team, at least for a second, for the right deal, I would get rid of him. Anybody could go. I mean, I think for me, I I am in a total agreement that I'd be willing to trade pretty much any of the prospects in the right deal for me the first guy that i feel the first guy where i trade away and am not wincing is probably ratcliffe mm. because i don't want to give up froster fair he's just my pet prospect. I, I would i would give up either of them i don't want to ratcliffe i like a lot as i just said but he's the first guy where i put him in a trade and i'm like yeah that doesn't hurt me that bad I love, uh, yeah, like, I have no problem trading anyone. I just like, uh, Ratcliffe is kind of my pet project That's right fair. now. I think Wade he's going to be good. Goodbye. Bye, Wade. He's you don't, you don't want to be a flyer. Goodbye. He's the best prospect you'd be willing to trade, though. Like, <laughs> no, he's the only prospect. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. Like, Ratcliffe is a guy, when I first started doing the 2017 draft research, before the Flyers moved up from 13 to 2, which I heard was a thing, um, I was looking at Ratcliffe at 13. I was like, oh, I, I like what I see yeah, here. Yeah, I remember you saying that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, where are we? Uh, uh, I was going to, oh, anybody's on the table, in my opinion, as yeah. well. Like, if you're going to bring me back someone really cool and good, excellent. Socialist hockey guy. I like him. I like that guy. Uh, <laughs> is the Metro just going to be bad moving forward? The aisle, the aisles aren't real. The pens appear to be fading. The caps are getting older. Columbus best players are leaving uh, in free agency. Canes don't have a long-term goalie, and the Devils are a long way off, and the Rangers are rebuilding. Can the Flyers take advantage? Well, let, yes. Let's, let's take a step back here for okay. a second. Okay. So... The Penguins and the Caps, yes, they're probably on the down, but they're still going to be good. Mm-hmm. The Devils and Rangers just got the top two picks. Yeah, so like, and they're like franchise, and picks. they're really they're they're not they're not superstars, but they're gonna they're probably gonna be stars. They're yeah. probably going to be very good hockey players. And then Carolina, yeah, they don't have a goalie, but they they kind of have everything else, and they've sort of like they finally gotten past that. I don't know. You know how, like, in the ocean, there's that point where, like, you kind of have to get past the, the... Once you get past the crest of the waves, and you can just sort of chill. I feel mm-hmm. like they, they couldn't get past that for so long, and this year they're finally doing it. And now they look like a pretty darn good team. Now, I don't know what their ceiling is, because I just don't think they're ever going to spend the kind of money that a lot of the other teams will. But they have a lot of really good players on relatively inexpensive deals. So mm-hmm. they should be consistently good. Columbus, yeah, if they lose Panarin and Bob, they're not going to be very good. But if they replace Panarin with Duchesne, then, yeah, they could be okay. I think, I, I agree that the Met, the Met isn't looking like it's going to have that one super team. But it'll be competitive. But it should be competitive. Mm-hmm. The Devils, like, the Devils are the only team I look at and I say, I just, even with Hughes, but if Hughes is really good, then maybe that problem's solved. Like, you just don't know. You have Hughes and Hall and Heischer, like, that's... Well, Hall's going to be here in a few years, so I'm not worried about I'm not about upset that. about that. So, uh, but so yeah, if you, if you, if you have... look at the remaining teams from the East, three of them are from the Metro. Yeah, like, there's just, I, I think the Metro is going to be good. I think it's going to be pretty good in a couple years all the way through. I just, I don't think it's, I don't think it has to Tampa. But I think, I, I don't think, I don't look at this division and I say, man, the Flyers are poised to just dominate. I don't see that. If you're being, uh, this is from Sean Moore. Being honest with yourself, just. Never. What do you think Provorov will be both next season and long term? Not what do you hope he will be. What do you actually think he's going to be? I honestly think that he's going to level off somewhere between a two and a three. I, I don't think he's a number one defender. I, I, I think he's a two. Yeah. I missed Fair. the question. I think he's a two who can take a lot of minutes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Steph, what do you think Provorov will be? What, not, what do you hope oh. he'll be? What do you think he'll be? Oh, um, yeah, two. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, he's solid. He needs to get his head out of his ass a little bit, but he's he's very good. The other ass as well. Very solid. Um, 
he's he's a top pairing defenseman. A top pairing, but is he a top defenseman? Do you need someone better than him or as good as him to make it a legit first pair? When he's on his game, and we've definitely seen him on oh, his absolutely. game, absolutely. he is a top defenseman. He carries the pairing. Can Travis Sanheim be your one, though? That's the other piece. So if if you've got a top pairing of Travis Sanheim, Ivan Profarov, who cares who's yeah, the one and who's the two? Who cares? Are either of them ones? I think they could be. I think Sanheim could be a one. I don't know. I I, I don't know what they're. Th- but this goes back to why I would love for them to get a you know a veteran play driving defenseman who you could play with Profarov because I I, I think Pro has a lot of good things with his game. But I'd like to give him some help. Yeah, and I just I'm not sure. Like the Sanheim Provorov pairing was was good. I wouldn't say it was stunningly good. Like it wasn't as good as Provorov Gossis pair was. You know, not this year, but the no year second half of 2017-18. That pair was a top five that, pair by exactly. all metrics. Exactly, and and, and, would... and Sanheim Provorov was fine. Mm-hmm. It was better than what they'd had before, but it wasn't didn't wow me. And maybe that was partially because Provorov had the bad year, but Sanheim had a good year, mm-hmm. and it was still just okay. That's it for the mailbag this week. Uh, we're gonna get to more Twitter questions from people throughout uh, the off season. I like this. You guys come me up too, with questions that I can't think of when I'm trying to put this show together. Well, that, and that helps, me. and we're not doing Facebook Q and As this summer, so yeah. get get the questions in this way. Yeah, and that's how I get my half my material anyway. Is I do the <laughs> post games and then say, "Hey, this was brought up in post game. What do you guys think?" So we're going to be basically doing that throughout the summer, especially on weeks when uh, absolutely nothing happens. Did anybody actually read the "We Need to Be the Islanders" article? No, I did. No. How was it? It's fucking stupid. Like. Yeah, we need to ride a goalie having an incredible year. I agree. That's the, yeah, I mean, I, Two goalies, I too, would like our fourth liners to shoot at 18% for the yeah. whole year. That would be grand. I <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know what you... Like, that's that's what doing the Oilers... Yeah, I think... Oilers. Oilers. I think it would be grand if we could have two goalies with 940 save percentages. Sure. I think that would be absolutely The Flyers should definitely do that. They should do that. They should definitely do I that. I didn't... I just looked at it. I was like, no. I'm but not the, giving you no, the satisfaction of this click. Yeah, the idea that you need to now build a team the way that podcast. Lou built that team is absurd. Yeah, like, lose your superstar, uh, hope that one of the best coaches ever becomes available, mm-hmm. and then get incredible goaltending performances off of one guy coming back from substance abuse issues and another career tandem guy having the best year of his life. And luck top to bottom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the one thing I'll say about this is that I do think that there's a there's a grain of truth in this in that it uh, the, what the Islanders do show is just how important a very good coach can be. Mm-hmm. The upper echelon coaches or, or, make a difference, or how important a very good coaching job, like how much of an impact a very good coaching job can do yeah. for a team. So if you can, it, it should let you know that it, it kind of goes back to Vegas with um with what's his name last year. Um, what the hell is the Vegas coach? Gallant. Blanket. Gallant, yeah. Like, he did an amazing job, yeah. and the team was really good. Tross did an amazing job. Did he get help? Sure, he got help by the goalies and the crazy shooting percentage and stuff, but he did turn what was one of the worst defensive teams in hockey into one of the best in a year. And that and that, that's backed up by the numbers, too. So the coaching was there, and if, you, if Vigneault can do a similar kind of turnaround, that's big. It's just you can't depend upon you, – you can't look at the Islanders and view that as a model. No, yeah, like the idea that they should be going out to get like a Leo Komarov in the yeah. offseason because that's what they need to succeed. Like, could we not? No, I think it was just the loss of... I really think a lot of the Islanders roster was underrated because of the loss of Tavares. Like, I think they did have some pretty good players there, obviously. And it was just like, yes, you lost your one star, but there are a lot of other guys here who aren't bad. Now, like, what happens to them in a year or two? Like Valtteri Filpola. Not Filpola. Barzell's very good. Barzell, yes. But I just mean, like, Anders Lee and Jordan Eberle. Now, as these guys move on in the next year or two, we will see if this coaching GMing job is actually, because they're not going to stay there, but uh, we'll see if this is actually them or if it's just maybe that roster was a little underrated. Maybe they underachieved a bit. All right, uh, this is more of a uh, this is more of an ice sport radio topic, but I don't know if we're even going to get to it this week uh, with the playoffs and the trophy finalists and everything. So, real quick, all the talk about uh, Adam Fox was that 
yeah, he's just not signing anywhere because the rain. He wants to sign with the Rangers. Why would the Rangers trade for him then? Because they just traded for him with Carolina. Because they're a big dumb organization. No, it, it's I, I just, just get him ahead of time. Well, no, I said I said this on Twitter. I think there oh, were okay. two. There were two reasons. Number one is that if you wait, it you wouldn't have him next year. So they wanted to get him sooner. And number two, like not to be. Like this may I don't know if this is like super PC, but like kids change their minds a lot. They do. And the fact of the matter is he's he's a kid and yeah, today he might think I want to be a ranger. Mm-hmm. Then maybe, you know, next August rolls around, he's a free agent, he has his pick of every team, and Tampa Bay Lightning come around and say, Hey, won't you be our first pair of defensemen? Like you just don't know. So if if you're the Rangers and you have this this kid who's basically told you probably through back channels that if you trade for me, I will sign with you tomorrow, you wanna just get it. Like, just get him. And just, get him just, in. Just be yeah. done with it and get him and don't leave anything up to chance. I think that's probably why they did it. So anyone been watching the Sixers? 10, 9, 8, <laughs> 76. And that is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you for listening. Thanks for hanging out. If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. Leave us those good comments. Give us those five-star reviews, thumbs up, whatever the hell it is. Uh, my name is Bill Matz. For Steph, for Kelly, for Charlie, go Sixers. Have a great week, everybody.